Welcome to the Recover Me podcast with Warren Willey, doctor of osteopathic medicine, a best-selling author, and leading expert on holistic, healthy living. Warren is your guide to living a naturally healthier, happier life. So much of Western medicine, popular diets, and fitness fads put a bandage over health problems, addressing symptoms and not causes, offering short-term results at the expense of long-term health. That's why Warren is a man on a mission to question the status quo and uncover holistic health solutions you can use in your life, starting right now. Now to get us started today, here's Warren. Hey, Dr. Willie here with the Recover Me podcast. Welcome today to today's episode. Today is going to be a slightly shorter episode, but I want to use it as an introduction to a mini course that will be uh, launching on my website real soon here. We're going to cover all sorts of different medical topics presented as mini courses. So these short, anywhere between five and eight minute videos that come as a group that deal with medical, health, physical, physique, body, mental, emotional, relationship, all the important things that fall under the Recover Me umbrella of health, happiness, and quality of life. And we're going to present them as mini courses. So you go through it, you learn how to take care of yourself, what to do about it, cover the five tenets of health I talk about in Attainable, and then cover everything about Recover Me from eating, movement, sleep, relationships, spiritual supplements, medication, hormone balance, etc. Remember, the, the theory and the thought behind the Recover Me method is we can't control your stressors, but we can help you help your body and mind deal with things better. In other words, our goal is to, one, if we can, find the cause of disease, not just bandage the symptoms. But two, if a lifestyle choice is being made that you decide not to do or change or stop because you enjoy it, well, then let's make sure you are optimally healthy behind it. I just had this discussion with a patient yesterday. She's a smoker. She's been a smoker for years. She ain't going to quit smoking. That is her getaway. It's her time to escape. She's not going to stop. She understands the risks. Anybody who smokes today in 2019 knows the risks of smoking. So why do people do it? Because the choice between stopping and feeling the stress of stopping and getting a quick nicotine buzz to relax them is very obvious in their minds. So if that's the case, the Recover Me method of medicine says, all right, you're going to smoke. Let's optimize everything else. Let's help you help yourself. Really, the goal, and I just heard this the other day and I thought it was so classic. Don't let your healthcare provider use you as an ATM machine. We run to the doctor for everything, sniffles, sneezes, coughs, aches, pains, blood pressure, cholesterol numbers, whatever. You know what? Don't be an ATM machine. Take care of it yourself. You have the control, and that's what the Recover Me method is about. So today, based on some mini courses that will launch in the next month or two, I'm going to cover a very relevant topic and a very important topic, I think, because of the number of wonderful people it afflicts, and that is fibromyalgia. Now, a little history. Fibromyalgia was first brought to light back when I was in residency. Um, and back then, and still today, there's some prevalence of thought that thinks it's all right here. 
Fibromyalgia is not pain in the body, it's a mental disorder. It's depression manifesting itself as physical pain. It's anxiety manifesting itself as physical pain and discomfort and fatigue and insomnia and et cetera. And you know, I felt into that way back then. It fell into that trap of anytime Western medicine can't put their finger on something, it's all of a sudden psychosomatic. Psycho being brain, somatic being body. We'll just shut that up there, sorry. The psychosomatic illnesses are th real, they're there, but I don't think fibromyalgia falls under that. I think fibromyalgia falls under a real disease classification. Now, do we, do know, do we know what it is? Not yet. Do we have some ideas? Yes, and that's what I want to cover in today's short podcast is just some basics on fibromyalgia. So let's start with the prevalence and some of the problems with it. It's estimated that over 10 million people in America have fibromyalgia. Now of that, up to 90% are women. Now that's very interesting. That's directly according to the natural, uh, uh, National Fibromyalgia Association that up to 90% of the fibromyalgia sufferers in our country are women. So is there an estrogen component? It's very interesting because if you think of something, autoimmune disease also has a 10 to 1 prevalence in women to men. So maybe autoimmune disease should be thought of when we think fibromyalgia. Now, that being said, the American College of Rheumatology is the kind of the forefront leading medical group that is following fibromyalgia, for lack of better words. But I still don't think doctors in your town, in my town, think of fibromyalgia as necessarily as an autoimmune disease. So something to think about there. There's probably an estrogen component. There's an emotional component. There's a mental component. There, no matter what anyone says, I love the saying, men are from Venus and women are from Mars, or maybe it's the other way around. Either way, we are different. And that's why that difference needs to be recognized when you're dealing with something like fibromyalgia. In America, it can take up to five years to get the proper diagnosis for these wonderful people because of that unfortunate misnomer I discussed earlier. Most doctors still think it's a head diagnosis. There's really no lab test, no imaging test, nothing to say, hey, you have fibromyalgia. Even with something like chronic fatigue, at least we can blame Epstein-Barr virus if you have high titers or possibly cytomegalovirus. That leans us more towards the diagnosis. But with fibromyalgia, we don't have that. Fibromyalgia is more common as you get older, and it tends to run in families. So does that mean there's a genetic component? Possibly, but there could just be a familial component. And what I mean by that is the stresses that mom and dad are under can affect the stress of the kids and the way the lifestyle is lived, the diet, the movement or lack thereof, the way they handle stress, the way the kids view the parents handling stress, even the bad drive to school or work. It's familial in the sense that it's under one roof, but it doesn't necessarily mean it travels along the genes, if that makes sense. Now, that being said, we haven't found a fibromyalgia gene yet. It's probably multiple things that add up to, to uh, cause the issue, but it's not directly genetic, but it does tend to run in families, so that's very important. The diagnosis is made from history, so you get a real detailed and good history from the patient as a physician, listening to them, which is a very unique talent these days, uh, 
when you listen to someone, they'll tell you. I had one of my preceptors uh, who'd been practicing medicine for 50 years when I was with the Mayo Clinic. He told me once, Warren, if you just listen, the patient will tell you the diagnosis. Your job is to name it and treat it. And I've always thought that was so brilliant. So the history will tell most of us if you have fibromyalgia or not. But then there's manual tender point examinations. There's 11 to 18, I think, specific tender points as mapped out by the American College of Rheumatology. There's a newer index called the Widespread Pain Index that uses a symptom uh, uh, severity score and uses pain in different areas, which I'll cover in a minute here as part of our diagnosis. But really and honestly, fibromyalgia is a diagnosis based on the person's history and not so much a physical examination. And that's important because everyone manifests or shows up in your office a little differently, right? We all fall under this umbrella of human physiology, but the way things present in your doctor's office is different person to person. The exact cause of fibromyalgia, as I mentioned, is not no. It may be due to an autoimmune process. What that leads us back to is there an infectious process? Epstein-Barr virus, Lyme, those are two things that have definitely been indicated or implicated in fibromyalgia. Genetic subtyping, if you're more prone to infections like an ApoE33, you have less risk of heart disease with that particular genetic typing, but you seem to have more susceptibility to infectious processes. Also, the way you handle even vitamins in your body, MTHFR is a gene we look at to see how you methylate. And if you don't methylate as well, you might be at greater risk for fibromyalgia. These are all things that we're trying to learn and understand. Those are two of the things I do in my office to help me narrow down a diagnosis for people. If they show up in the history, sounds like fibromyalgia. Trauma, getting a good history, is there been a high stress situation? And that can be a physical stress, like a motor vehicle accident. That could be a psychological stress, like a death in the family or abuse or something else. There seems when you get a person's history with fibromyalgia, if you can walk them backwards and trace it, they tend to know exactly when, where, and what they were doing when it started. And we can link that to a trauma. So that's very important to understand because that will also help you treat them and treat yourself under the recover me method based on what the background is. And in the mini courses, I get into a lot more deal of that. There's, in my opinion, a different treatment for fibromyalgia if the onset was a terrible motor vehicle accident versus someone who comes from an abusive relationship, uh, sexual inappropriateness, whatever, and their fibromyalgia started at that point. I think there's a different set of treatments for those both wonderful people. Even though their physical manifestations may sound similar, the background is different. And I think that's what we need to treat and understand. And that's part of the recovery method. The, again, the autoimmune portion of it is very important. The American College of Rheumatology has taken hold. And so I think that the general thought and people that understand and treat and, and have a respect for fibromyalgia think that there might be an autoimmune cause. That brings us back to inflammation. That brings us back to infection. That brings us back to genetics, everything I just covered. 
Some of the other uh, uh, theories out there are overactive nerves. Now, what exactly that means, I don't quite know. My nerves tend to be overactive in certain situations versus others, but maybe some people are just at a higher threshold of overactive nerves. I don't know, I can't say. There's thoughts on disorders of central processing with neuroendocrine or neurotransmitter disorders. So the balance of serotonin and epinephrine and histamine and acetylcholine and dopamine and all these neurotransmitters, their imbalance may be part of the reason people experience these pain, fatigues, and insomnia type problems. That goes back to gut health. You gotta think of the gut, because remember, if you look at all those neurotransmitters that I just mentioned in the body, only 10% are between the ears. The other 90% are down in your gut. So maybe gut issues should be looked at in fibromyalgia, and yeah, guess what, they should be, because it's part of the whole system. Some other research has uh, uh, talked about an increase in a, something called substance P in the spinal cord. Substance P is thought to have a role in the regulation of pain. Um, it's involved in all sorts of inflammatory conditions and whatnot. Even in psychological conditions like schizophrenia and anxiety, there seems to be people with fibromyalgia have a higher amount of the substance P in their spinal fluid, possibly. Uh, blood flow to the thalamus and the brain may be affected in fibromyalgia people. Cause and effect, difficult to determine there. Chicken and the egg question, actually. Uh, HPA dysfunction, which we talk a lot of in the uh, Recover Me method of uh, approaching people. So cortisol, high stress levels, and then back to that initiating or uh, initial trauma that seemed to trigger or at least was closely associated with the symptom onset with fibromyalgia, very important. So the effects of cortisol in the system have to be evaluated and viewed. Inflammation, if there is a low-lying infection, maybe even there's a tooth abscess that people don't realize they have. Maybe they had a root canal that didn't go quite as well and they have no pain or symptoms, but there's this low-lying inflammation coming from this abscess in their upper jaw causing the fibromyalgia. Something to look at and something if you are, are struggling with fibromyalgia or know someone that does it, go see a biologic dentist. Have a CT scan of the jaw and look, especially if you have a history of bad dental uh, or dentition, you want to make sure there's no underlying low-grade infectious process that could be behind it. And then hormonal disruptions and disturbances. Uh, I think part of the reason we see fibromyalgia coming on later in life is the fact that hormones change. Human growth hormone goes down. Women go into menopause. Men go into andropause. These things, are they related? Absolutely they are. Are they causative? Not necessarily but they're related. And that's one way you can step in and improve someone's quality of life when you take those into account. For those who are not familiar with fibromyalgia, there's some symptoms that we should probably review that are very important. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, fibromyalgia tends to show up in doctor's offices differently with everybody. There's some general presentations though that we can all agree on. And that is first one, pain. Pain that's Lasted greater than three months is the diagnostic criteria if we want to diagnose it, and pain that occurs on both sides of the body evenly. So, and I'll cover some of the body parts in a minute here when I cover the uh, widespread pain index. Sleep problems is, is one of those check marks. If you have problems sleeping and this widespread pain greater than three months, we start thinking fibromyalgia. Cognitive dis difficulties, I think the fibromyalgia world calls it fibro fog, where they're just kind of have difficulty paying attention, difficulty focusing, 
Um, and it goes right along with the fatigue component. They feel tired, weak, sleep longer than uh, their friends or loved ones, yet they still don't wake up refreshed. The sleep issues is huge in the diagnosis of fibromyalgia. They, again, they can sleep just as long as the rest of us, but they wake up not feeling well. Um, there's some research behind that that shows that they don't reach deep sleep. People with fibromyalgia don't tend to reach deep sleep like those without it. So again, it's a chicken and the egg question, but it's a very important thing to address in treatment utilizing the recovery method. Stiffness upon waking or being in a position too long is also a diagnostic clue. Abdominal symptoms are common, uh, bloating, pain, diarrhea, constipation, these irritable bowel type presentations are very, very common. And that's why I think it's so important to evaluate the gut. Uh, again, not only for the neurotransmitter levels, but just because it seems to be associated with the cause and effect. Don't know, but let's treat it all, right? Very, very important to treat that. Tension uh, headaches, migraine headaches are common. Tension and face pains, particularly jaw pain. Uh, I've seen a lot of people diagnosed with TMJ that actually had fibromyalgia. Uh, so remember, if you never ask a barber if you need a haircut. So if you go to a TMJ specialist, you have TMJ. All right, that's a simple fact. So a good diagnosis, um, and again, you can have fibromyalgia and TMJ, don't get me wrong, uh, but it's, it's good to differentiate the two, especially if you're trying to come up with the proper diagnosis. People with fibromyalgia tend to have sensitivities to uh, stimuli. That could be smell, that could be noise, bright lights. They seem to be very sensitive to medications. I've had a number of fibromyalgia patients tell me, Doc, I only can take a half of a 325 Tylenol uh, and it works well on me. Any more than that and it makes me sick. Uh, well, with someone my size, that wouldn't touch me. I might as well just rub it on my uh, forehead after mixing it with some ink from my pen and start a dance. Uh, because that wouldn't do anything for me. Um, but they're very sensitive to it. Certain foods, there seem to be some foods. Perfumes tend to be bothersome to a lot of fibromyalgic people. And cold. I know many, many people whose fibromyalgia symptoms greatly improved when they moved to Phoenix, Arizona, or even farther south. So they're very sensitive to that. Senses of anxiety and depression, obviously common. Chicken and the egg question. I mean, if I felt like these wonderful, sweet people, I'd be depressed too. But is depression the underlying cause of it? Well, again, I think it's running parallel with it. Numbness and tingling is common, particularly in the uh, face, arms, hands, and legs. We hear that a lot. They have numbness and tingling in both hands or both feet. There's no obvious neurological deficit. There's no disc that's displaced in their neck or lower back it tends to be a symptom uh, that can indicate fibromyalgia. Irritable uh, bladders, so uh, disorders of the bladder, um, frequency, hesitancy, uh, getting up a lot at night and going to the bathroom, we tend to blame in men, we say it's your prostate. Well, it can be fibromyalgia because a lot of wonderful people with it show up with urinary frequency uh, and urgency too. Uh, reduced tolerance for movement, exercise. Uh, they go out and go for a walk with a loved one and then are absolutely bedridden for three days or that whooped from it. Or they have incredible amount of pain in the muscles where they shouldn't have generated that much pain with the activity they did. But again, a very another common symptom that we see in fibromyalgia. 
Um, I mentioned earlier the widespread pain index. Again, it's a newer criteria. I think it, uh, it's based on a criteria you can look up on the internet. I cover it in great detail in the mini course because I think it's the best way to help you diagnose or get to uh, an understanding of fibromyalgia in a physical examination. It You follow some diagnostic criteria. Um, you look at the wide spread pain index and something called the symptom severity score and if you meet the criteria according to that index they say you have fibromyalgia now the the widespread pain index looks at pain bilaterally again just pain on one side of your body is probably not fibromyalgia but if it's equal on both sides then we have to consider it we look at the shoulder girdle we look at the upper and lower arm the hips or or behind area right smack middle in the buttocks lower leg both in the front and in the calf the jaws i mentioned earlier chest pain up above the chest here, abdomen, back, upper and lower. There's It's a, a distinct criteria to help us understand this might be fibromyalgia. The symptom severity score also rates your fatigue, cognitive issues, and sleep issues. Remember I said those are absolutely necessary in the diagnosis of fibromyalgia. If someone has all those, uh, again, fatigue, Cognitive issues, sleep issues, or, or waking issues when they wake up and do not feel refreshed is another way to put it. Um, that is criteria for the uh, diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Now, all that being said, that is our, we come with that diagnosis as long as you don't have another disorder that could explain it. So part of the Recover Me method and any good medical method when we diagnose fibromyalgia is to rule out other things. I have seen, and not kidding, Dysfunctional thyroids cause everything I just described, and we replaced the thyroid appropriately, got them on a gluten-free diet because they had a little autoimmune thyroiditis, and boom, all those symptoms went away. I mean, I've had many patients that met the criteria for fibromyalgia. We fixed or optimized their thyroid. Pain went away. Everything got better. So you have to make the right diagnosis if you want to do it. The mains, and I'll cover that again in great detail in the mini course on fibromyalgia. It's just too much material to give in a podcast because a lot of people are driving or watching kids or something, and it's hard to scribble a lot of stuff down. The mini courses will have slides involved so you can make a note of it or save it or screenshot it or whatnot as we go through it. Currently in Western medicine, the mainstay stain, I can talk, the mainstay of treatments, if you will, is medication. Now, it's medication meant to improve the quality of life, but that's all fine and dandy, but let's get the problem solved here, right? Plus, medication has side effects, and though your immediate quality of life might be improved with a good painkiller, let's talk about the constipation you deal with tomorrow or the ulcer you get in your stomach or your kidneys when they fail because of all the anti-inflammatory medication like ibuprofen you're taking or were prescribed. So remember, there's side effects. Some of the primary ones used in fibromyalgia are Tylenol or acetaminophen, ibuprofen or any of the anti-inflammatories. Tramadol is a very, very popular one. I see that all the time from these fibromyalgia clinics. People are putting on tramadol. Now, tramadol, interestingly, is not only a synthetic opioid, but it works as a norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, very similar to the antidepressant effector. So there's part of that brain component of the effect of tramadol on, on people. There's some specific antidepressants that are utilized for fibromyalgia. The big ones, duloxetine or Cymbalta. 
Savella is another one that's very, very commonly used by fibromyalgia clinics and treatment centers to help people uh, with some of their symptoms. All fine and dandy. Again, I'm all for quality of life. However, if you've ever tried to take someone off Cymbalta, you know that that drug is probably not a good drug. It can take years because people come off it and they tend to rebound so hard. And it's not necessarily a rebound in the disease state. It's their body craving that drug back. It's a side effect of the medication long after the medication is gone. So something just to be aware of. Again, I'm not against them. I've prescribed them for uh, recalcitrant traces, cases of fibromyalgia. They have a place. Um, but let's try to do some of the other stuff before we start using those big guns. Some other drugs, a lot of seizure, anti-seizure drugs, anti-epileptic drugs, gabapentin is one, Neurontin, Lyrica or pregabalin is another one used a lot. Same type issue. It works on some brain hormones, uh, GABA in particular, gamma immunobutyric acid, your, your one inhibitory hormone between your ears. Uh, and if you want to come off of it, especially if you get into the higher doses of either one of those, it can take months to years to get off of it because of the potential side effects. So just something to be aware of. I cover that in a lot more detail in the mini courses here. So let's, that brings us to the recover me approach to this fibromyalgia. Starting with the five tenets of health we've talked about before, the HPA axis. I would always suggest getting a diurnal cortisol test, a spit test for anyone with fibromyalgia. Let's look at your cortisol curve and what can we do about it. Then reducing emotional stress, meditating, spending time in prayer or quiet, breathing techniques, uh, self uh, interlooking techniques, all these different things to help lower that stress. Because again, I'm not necessarily saying that that's causative, but it's running parallel with fibromyalgia. Just the stress of being in pain causes dysfunction. Terribly vicious cycle. We need to throw a wrench in that engine and change it. So HPA axis, huge both diagnostically and treatment-wise in fibromyalgia. Hormones. Huge, I just told you, not only is fibromyalgia more present as you get older, so there's definitely a hormonal component, but I've fixed people thyroid and all their fibromyalgia symptoms went away. And I didn't normalize their thyroid, just to, just to emphasize, I optimized it. Most doctors would look at their TSH and their levels and go, oh, they're normal. No, 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 it needs to be optimal if you're dealing with this type of symptoms, because I cannot tell you the number of people we've cured by doing that. Get all the hormones tested get them balanced and optimized. That doesn't necessarily mean you take hormones, but the way you eat, the way you move, the way you think, some supplements you can take, adaptogenic herbs, can help optimize the hormones and get them working appropriately. Gut health and the microbiome, huge, as I mentioned earlier. I always encourage people when they get, uh, um, or they come into my office with fibromyalgia, let's do the full-blown poop test, the gut test. Right. Let's look at the microbiome. Let's look at how you're absorbing proteins and fats. Let's look for inflammatory markers. Let's look for bad bugs. Let's look for fungus and yeast in your gut. Let's fix your gut because that's part of the healing process. Toxins in the environment, huge viral testing is important. Heavy metal testing, organophosphates. You need to make sure there's nothing else causing some of these symptoms. And along with toxins, I always throw in the word relationships. I think 
you can get in a toxic relationship that affects everything else. It could be a boss at work. It could be someone in your own home, a sibling, a child, a spouse or loved one, a live-in boyfriend, whatever. If there's toxic relationships in your life, you're going to have a hard time dealing with fibromyalgia. Oxidative stress is also important and implicated in uh, causative factors of fibromyalgia. So Follow it with your doctor and 808-DG or oxidized LDL, following these things and optimizing them will again help with the bigger picture of uh, treating and intervening in fibromyalgia. So continuing on with the Recover Me approach, Recover Me movement, I always tell people when they say, come on with fibromyalgia, now I know. If I tell you to go out and get a personal trainer and exercise, you're going to kick me in the shin, if not other places. If you hurt like heck, how the heck can anybody expect you to move? But at the same time, there's probably nothing better for you than to move. So I start my patients out super slow. My wonderful fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia patients come in. I want you to exercise five minutes a day. That's it. Go for a five-minute walk. Maybe a two-minute walk. Start slowly. But purposely and gradually increase that time by 30 seconds to a minute every other day or so. Once you get to 15 minutes of exercise a day, stay there for a week or two and then start adding a minute on from there. Nice and slow is the secret. When people approach it that way and don't feel the pressure to exercise two hours every day to cure their fibromyalgia or they were told to move is, is the best thing for them, people get better that way. So the recovery me movement uh, idea is start slow and go slow. Five minutes a day max with 30 seconds to a minute added on every other day until you get to 15 minutes and then stay there for a few weeks and slowly progress up from there. Recover me eating. You got to avoid the processed foods. Uh, the, 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 the saying I love to give is if God made it, eat it. If man made it, don't. That is so true with fibromyalgia. It, even Western medicine suggests you stay away from processed foods. It is one of the disease states where they actually admit, oh, it does make a difference. So it does make a difference. Possibly get online, uh, get an elimination eating plan, go see a dietitian that understands functional eating and have them write you up an elimination eating plan. And I think debt dieting, delayed eating technique dieting also is very beneficial for my fibromyalgia patients. I've had them do very well with it as long as they don't have any underlying endocrine disorder um, or uh, depression or some of the other things that can uh, uh influence debt dieting but debt dieting i think works wonderful for, for people i explain it in detail in my uh, book obtainable and on the mini course i talk about how to actually set up a delayed eating technique structure for your day recover me sleep is so important because there's such a sleep disorder so simple steps going to bed at the same time every night getting up in the morning same time every morning really makes a difference. When you sleep is as important as how long you sleep. Making your room dark, using lavender essential oils, avoiding screen time of any sort for at least two or three hours before bed. And even a small snack before bed, uh, one of my favorites is a little yogurt with protein powder in it, or maybe a cup of oats with some pea protein and a little milk on top of it to increase serotonin in the brain, therefore melatonin, and it helps people sleep. And I've had a lot of luck with that. Now that goes against some of the other preachings you'll hear, uh, both on my website and others about eating before bed, but really we have to help this person feel better, sleep better, 
get better with their fibromyalgia before we can worry about those other things. And that little technique really seems to help a lot of people. So I'd encourage you to try it if you're struggling with that. The Recover Me medicine, I try to help people avoid the neuroleptic drugs and the anti-seizure drugs. I think some of the antidepressants are okay in low doses while we're working it up, while we're trying to figure out everything else, while we're getting your HPA axis, toxins, oxidative stress, gut health, and your hormones balanced, I think they have a role. And uh, and so I'm not against those at all. They certainly have their place. Uh, it just takes a fine balancing of everything else. And then planning with an appropriate date to get off those medications is ideal. CBD oil really being used now with the legalization of marijuana. I've had some patients who use CBD oil prescription and do very well with their fibromyalgia. So I think there's a place for that. And I'll cover that in a little more detail uh, in the mini course. Uh, neural therapy is something I love. It's a German technique um, using procaine. Uh, really helps some of the pain issues and some of the gut issues in fibromyalgia. And we use a lot of IV therapy, both minerals, vitamins, uh, and amino acids to help just the person overall balance, optimize your immune system as there's probably an autoimmune component to it again. All those things to help to balance that out and work. So those are the medication or medicinal sides of the Recover Me approach for fibromyalgia. In the Recover Me relationships, evaluate your relationships. And even if you think you have a great relationship, I cannot tell you the benefit of going to a counselor, even if you think your relationship's great. It's so good to get things out on the table. We are protective of the other person we love and are with uh, a majority of the time. And sometimes it builds up stress and anger inside of us, which can affect our physical selves. So I encourage everyone. I've done it with my lovely bride. Not a problem in the world, but we go to counseling just to have someone talk and point things out and things that we can't necessarily say to them as we're afraid to hurt their feelings. Optimizing your relationships in your life is a very powerful tool and intervention for fibromyalgia. So I highly encourage that. Some supplements, as I shared with you earlier in the podcast, I think treatment of fibromyalgia has a lot more to do than just treating the pain and whatnot. I think you have to go back to the initiating event, be it trauma, psychological, physical, or whatnot, to help determine how you're going to treat and help this wonderful person using the recovery method. And the supplements really fall under that category. So I try to treat each individual differently. They'll have a different set of supplement, excuse me, suggestions based on those underlying factors. So for this podcast, let me give you just some very in general supplements that I think are uh, the best for it. The first is a magnesium, two forms, three and eight, which crosses the blood brain very, very well, and glycinate, which limits GI side effects. But having adequate doses of magnesium in your body is essential. Magnesium, if you've heard any of my other podcasts, uh, is involved in over 300 physiological activities in the body. Very important in fibromyalgia to have excellent red blood cell levels of magnesium. So that is something we check when we do a workup on these good people. I love phosphatidylserine. Uh, 300 milligrams a night before bed helps cognition. Some people, it keeps them activated. So I have those people take them in the morning rather than nighttime. But wonderful supplement for fibromyalgia. Acetyl-L-carnitine, 3,000 milligrams in powder form up to twice a day. Also is very powerful. It just supports the mitochondria and really seems to help with fibromyalgia symptoms. Uh, as I, There's obviously some mitochondrial dysfunction in this disease state. 
Boswellia and curcumin, two of my favorite anti-inflammatories. There's an inflation, inflammation component, a pain component, and both of those tend to help. They also allow us to limit the use of prescription drugs like that tramadol, ibuprofen, Aleve, Tylenol by utilizing Boswellia and curcumin. Lithium ornithate is also one of my favorites in uh, this particular disease state, low dose, five milligrams, five, 10 milligrams a day. It's over the counter, really tends to balance out as people obviously in pain uh, are struggling with mood issues. Again, chicken and the egg question here, but that really seems to help. So those are some very general basic supplements I'd use and I'll cover some in more detail in our mini course. So in summary, remember, fibromyalgia is a very real thing. It affects real people, and it can be quite life-changing, if not devastating. And you need to approach it in a very holistic manner, getting a good history, finding the underlying issues, balancing the five tenets of uh, the Recover Me philosophy, HPA axis or cortisol and the adrenal glands, hormones, toxins in the environment, gut health and oxidative stress, getting those balanced, and then using movement, diet, supplementation, relationships, all those things under the Recover Me method to help improve quality of life, if not cure and fix the fibromyalgia. I have met many people whose fibromyalgia was cured, so it's not impossible. I hear a lot of uh, experts out there saying, once you have it, you always have it. I do not agree with that. I've seen far too many people do very well. Do they have intermittent times of more pain than not after they've been cured? Of course. It's called life. So that being said, remember, Recover Me Medicine is the medicine that meets you where you are. We can't always affect or change your stresses, but we can help your body and mind deal with them better. Oh, one more note I just thought of. If you have fibromyalgia, get a support group. There's many available on social media. If you live in a town with a university, almost certainly they have one. Uh, local hospitals tend to have support groups for pain-related conditions. Find a support group because it is difficult. When you feel that bad, and my bless you, wonderful people that struggle with that, support is very important. So back to my summary. Remember, Recover Me Medicine. It really is here to help you help yourself. Until next time, check out the website, drwilly.com. Look for our mini courses. We're going to be throwing those up left and right over the next uh, year or so. So I'm hoping it will be a benefit to people. Until next time, take care. God bless. Thank you for joining Warren on the Recover Me podcast with Warren Willie, your guide to living a naturally healthier, happier life. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever you find your best podcasts. To connect with Warren and the community, learn more about naturally healthy living, and claim a free resource to improve your health right away, visit drwilly.com. You'll find all of Dr. Willie's resources there, including best-selling books like Better Than Steroids, The Z Diet, what does your doctor look like naked? And his latest book, Obtainable. Enjoy the body and energy you've always wanted beyond diet and exercise. That's drwilly.com, D-R-W-I-L-L-E-Y.com. And until next time with Warren, get fit, be healthy, live life.